morning. I'm Pastor Nick. Welcome to our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. We hope today's message will be a help to you. May God bless you. Well, Pastor Cindy introduced our speaker a little bit ago, but I want to also introduce him now for the benefit of our radio listeners who are joining us at this point in the service. We have the privilege today of having Reverend Dr. Pastor Stuart Williams as our guest speaker. He was our youth minister here in 2001 to 2005, and we were delighted to have him serve not only our youth, but the whole congregation, and we're pleased that his wife, Ruth Ann, is with us as well. He has been pastoring our Skyline Skyline Church of the Nazarene in Calgary, Calgary, Alberta, for about 14 years. He's a man of God, and it was just earlier this year that he earned the Doctor of Ministry degree. So would you welcome now Reverend Dr. Stuart Williams. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you in the house of the Lord. And if you want to ensure that I don't preach long, you know, book me on a day that my flight's in the afternoon. And uh, yet, I believe the Lord has something wonderful to, sh uh, to say to us today. I want to just take a quick privilege, and I know I'm limited in time, but trust the Lord will provide as we go to the airport, so I'm going to rest in Him for that. But I do want to just take a moment to say a few things. One, uh, there is probably in my own experience and ministry, no one had as been more formative to my understanding of what it means to be a pastor than Pastor Nick. I mean that sincerely. While pastors could be judged on many criteria, this man has demonstrated a faithfulness and a love. Not just over a few years, but over many years. The longer I'm a pastor in the same context, the more my respect deepens for him. He has set the bar high. But today, I want to take the moment to say thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May God richly bless you, your wife and your family, and this church. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 14, and I'm going to read a little bit of a longer passage, starting in verse 10. And as is custom, uh, where I serve currently, I invite us to prepare our hearts and minds for the hearing of God's Word. Sometimes there's lots on our minds and our hearts that often keeps us from hearing. And so we need the Spirit's help to be able to be discerning of that which is for us and for our communities. And so let me pray, and then I will read this text for you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege I have to stand in this pulpit. Many voices have stood behind this pulpit, proclaiming the hope of Jesus Christ. Many people have sat in these seats that have gone on to be with you. This building testifies to your faithfulness, your grace, your mercy, that is extended to people through the ministry of Rosewood Church. This morning, we honor you by saying thank you for this people. And we pray that as we hear the word, that the word would fall upon our hearts and our minds. 
in a way that brings transformation. Father, I know many here don't know me, and it is easy, perhaps, when someone does not know you, to have a harder time hearing your voice. But I pray that by your Spirit, you would enable a, uh, a kinship, a trust, an understanding that the one who proclaims the Word stands under the Word. I hear what you are saying to me as an act of faith first before I share it with your people. Therefore, may your spirit speak, convict out of love and grace, and lead us in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the word of the Lord. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. What have you done to us? Bringing us out of Egypt. Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone so that we can serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. <laughs> but Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Hear this, the Lord will fight for you. And you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward, but you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. Then I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And so I will gain glory for myself over Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his chariot drivers. Then the Egyptians shall know, then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained glory for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his chariot drivers." The angel of God who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud moved in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel and so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on the right and on the left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and cloud, looked down on the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon the chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. And as the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots 
and the chariot drivers, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea. The waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. The word of the Lord. How do we discern the presence of God in the journey of life? How do we know that God is indeed present in our everyday existence? How do we know that we are not alone? If you've been like me, you've probably had seasons in your life in which you have journeyed wondering if God is in fact present. The entire Exodus narrative of the people of God's freedom and liberation from Egypt and their walk, their journey, their long journey to freedom was a journey that could not happen apart from God's presence with them. And it is incredible to recognize how significant the presence of God was with the people. Pillar of fire and cloud by night. A God that made himself visible and yet the people had a hard time believing that God was there when things became difficult. In our text today, the people are facing a threat. They are liberated, but they are not quite far enough away from Egypt's reach. And as the people begin to transition out of Egypt, there is a sense in which God's presence is leading them in a particular way. I have, over the years, considered that the Christian life often mimics the journey of Israel. That as we begin to follow God, the journey does not often look as we anticipated it looked. There are ups and downs, U-turns, challenges, changes. And sometimes when change happens to us, we may react the way the Israelites did react, with an uncertainty and a fear. We, uh, perhaps as human beings, don't often anticipate changes that are natural and they come when we get older or when we have children or when we get married or when our children begin to drive a car the anxiety that comes with that. Some of us go through changes perhaps a little better than others, anticipating changes, but then there is the changes that life thrust upon us, things that we are not prepared for, the sudden loss of our health, the sudden loss of a friend or a spouse or a child. There is a sense in which when life changes, that it is easy for us to assume the same posture we see the people of God assuming when they stand in a place where God has brought them. A place that is called in the text before this, Pi Hieroth. It is located according to the scripture between Migdal and the sea. Let me put it to you in a, in a phrase that would make sense to us. The people find themselves 
caught between a rock and a hard place. The sea before them and the marauding Egyptian army behind them. Now, I don't know about you, but I think there are some of us that probably can remember a time in our own journey where we felt trapped or stuck. A time in which we may have felt that I don't think this is where God would bring us to. No amens? You see, when Israel left Egypt, they did not anticipate the journey would be as difficult as it is. And I think, just to be honest, I preach along with you hearing what God may say to me, that there are times in our own Christian faith where we do the same thing. And we say, God, I did not think the journey would bring me here. <laughs> and yet, and yet, what perhaps is even more startling is the fact that it is God who led the people to this very place. And earlier on, we read this. The reason that God led them this way uh, on, a, on, a, on a detour, of you, if you will, not on a straight road to the promised land, is because God knew, this is in the text, God knew that if they went on this straight road to Canaan, they would encounter military outposts on this significant trade route. And if they encountered opposition so soon after leaving Egypt, the tendency would be to run back out of fear. So God leads them by the detour to the place they find them to save them from the impulse and fear that would lead them back to slavery. I've thought about this a lot. There are times in our own journeys of faith in which perhaps the detours seems to us to either be inconvenient or perhaps not in the plan and the will of God for our life. But in the journey of Christian faith, when God is leading his people, it may not always feel like a straight road to the destination, but the detours can be the grace of God protecting us from things we did not even know we would face and that would harm us. I want to say to someone here today that sometimes our Christian walk will not feel the way we want it to feel. A straight line to Canaan made all the more sense to the people, but the wisdom of God and the faithfulness of Moses ensures that the people move around that potential threat that would send them back. I sometimes wonder, in my own journey of faith, what God has saved me from that I don't know. It's easy to stand in front of you in my spiffy suit. Do you like my suit? My wife said to me about, I think about six months ago, she says, you better get a good suit. I, I was mismatching things, you know, like uh, I hadn't bought a suit in a long time. And she said, you can't be hanging on my arm looking like that. And so here I am, she's dressed me up well for this morning. You may look at me and you may say, well, you know, you look like a, a, a successful Christian. You look like a man of God, a man of faith. Can I just say 
We are so much more the same than we would care to believe. Life is indiscriminate in its trials and its challenges. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a layperson. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor or you drive a bus. It doesn't matter if you're a mom at home or a career person. The truth is, life is unpredictable and sometimes we find ourselves in difficult places. But the God of Israel, who is Emmanuel, is not only liberating the people from Egyptian slavery, but it is the God who leads them towards their promise. And it is the same God who leads us. So what do we do when we arrive at the Pi Hyaroths? Caught between the rock and the hard place. How do we live well in the difficult places? How do we maintain a faith even though we may feel disappointed that we are where we are? How do we not look at our circumstance and determine that God must not care and God is not present? First, I want to say to someone here today, if you're finding yourself there, it does not mean that God loves you less. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? It does not mean that God does not care about you. It does not mean that God's grace can extend to the most difficult and hard places. For the God of Israel would be a God that brings forth water from rocks. He is the God who is present in the wilderness to provide manna and quail. He is the God who goes before the people and is their rear guard behind them. He is the God that parts the sea where there was no way he made a way. I want to say to you today, if you're in the hard place, the God of the scriptures that we read about is right there with you. And he is able to do immeasurably more than you can think or imagine because he alone is God. I want to encourage somebody to hear me say this. I've been in this hard place myself. Some of you don't know my testimony. And for many years, I was, play, I, was, I was plagued and defined by my testimony. You know, when bad things happen to you, you can live under the identity of what happened to you. You can become a person who only sees yourself through your loss, through your hurt, through your pain. And when you do that, you're not able to see the presence of God with you in those circumstances. For many years, I talked about my loss, experienced the loss of my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister in one day. One day. Drunk driver hit the car head on. My dad was 49 years old. I am 49 years old now. This is my year of jubilee. I'll be 50 in just a few weeks. I, 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 had a, I had a Pastor Ian, who was, used to be the district superintendent, as the national director. He was out in Calgary just a few months ago. He saw me and he says, how old are you now? I said, I'm 50. He says, you're only 50? I, I said, Pastor Ian, you'd think a pastor of your esteem would be more sensitive. Amen. My dad was just 49 years old. Now I'm 49. I look at my life and I say, how, excuse me, how young he was. My mom was 47, 47 years old. I haven't spoke about them like this in a long time, but I feel it's appropriate. Uh, my little sister was 11. 
and my brother was 17. Not only did I experience that loss, but I grew up in racial segregation and apartheid, where, based upon the color of my skin, I was considered to be a second-class citizen. Thanks be to God that that system has come to an end, and yet there is still a persistent problem with seeing the value of all God's people irrespective of their race or culture in our world today. Those two things alone, and I have more I can tell you, but those two things alone were hard things for me. They defined me. They affected me. They created insecurity in me. They made me wonder about God's presence and His provision. Those were the hard places. When I sat down in that hospital on my behind, not knowing what tomorrow holds, as my little brother who survived the initial crash passed away, I said, God, where are you? Where are you when life goes wrong? Where are you when there does not seem to be a future? You know what happens when we don't trust God to be there? We start to wish we were not there. But when we are in that situation, looking back like Israel did, looking back in longing to slavery was no longer a possibility for them, yet they wanted to go back rather than to stand and trust that in the hard place, God will come through. I know this, my friends, and hear me. God may not spare us from the wilderness and the hard places, but he is always with us. I wish I, I wish I was leaving tomorrow. <laughs> I, I'm cutting and dashing here as I go through my notes. Take your time, brother. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> you pay for my flight change if I miss it. <laughs> Love you, Pastor Nick. If there was anybody who had faith in this moment of crisis when the people were looking back. By the way, looking back is always the temptation, even if the past was horrific. If we can't anticipate a future, I hope. If we can't believe something is better on the other side, we tend to look back longingly. The church tends to do that oftentimes in poor ways. There's good ways of remembering and there are healthy ways. Poor remembering says, God once did great things. That's poor remembering. Good remembering goes something like this. God once did great things. He is doing great things, and he will do great things. I, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me that if you're in the hard place right now, there's going to be some things you're going to feel. One, you're going to question whether God is there, whether you've done something wrong. Your life hasn't panned out the way you thought, and you may be questioning. I want to speak right to you today out of my experience and out of the Word of God. The pie higher us is a part of the journey. And in that very moment, in that very place, God is inviting us to a particular faith. It is a faith that is not defined by our circumstances, and neither is a faith that rejects the reality that we are human and we are afraid. Someone once said to me, I teach a course at at, at Ambrose Seminary, and one of the students recently said to me, Pastor, but you know, the scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, so how can you say to us that we are not to live with fear? I said there's a difference 
between living with a spirit of fear, that is, to live as someone consistently afraid, tormented by the possibilities of things going wrong. There is something different about a person who lives with a sense of fear that directs their heart, their life, their energy, their words, and their actions to somebody who acknowledges their fear but turns to the Lord in faith. There's a difference between allowing ourselves in the hard places to look back longingly to what cannot be brought to reality. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 29 says that it was by faith that the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. Yet as a biblical scholar points out, that if anybody had faith at that moment, it wasn't the people, it was Moses. We look in and see in Moses an initial reluctant leader that matured in faith. He grew up in faith. Can I say this to you? If you have young pastors or young upcoming pastors amongst you in the church, please be patient with them. We don't come as a finished product. I say that wherever I go because I want to make a pathway for pastors. It's hard for pastors. Some of you have odd lives, pastors too, and you know, can go through difficult times. And yet, God, who was faithful in Moses' life, was bringing him along was teaching him how to, to not say, I don't want anything to do with them. To God, this is your people. God did something amazing, amazing in Moses' life. And I thank the Lord that the pastor I was when I was here is no longer the pastor I am today. Not that the pastor that I was when I was here was not, was not faithful to what God was calling me to, but, but I've had to grow. I'd have to, I had to grow. I, 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 I've had to learn how to trust God. I, I've had to let what I preach, catch up with how I live. <laughs> I've had to learn to trust the Lord in ways that I didn't think I would need to trust Him. I preach because I testify. What I'm saying to you, I want you to hear, does not come out of the classroom of theological education, but it comes out of the dynamic relationship that I have with my Lord and Savior, who has walked with me, who has taught me, who has guided me and who has remained faithful to me. And so Moses says to the people, and I wish we all had a Moses <laughs> in our difficult places. A Moses who would say, here's what you need to do. You, you, need, to, you need to, he says three things in, in the verses we, we read. He says, you, you, you ought to let go of fear, and you need to stand firm, and you need to be still. Now, I don't have all the time to talk about each one of them, but I'm just going to talk about be still. Can I get an amen? Can I just get an amen? So when we hear, when we hear, be still and know, do you know that scripture, that I am God, Psalm 46? I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Do you know that the word be still, the verb in the original language, does not have the connotation of being quiet? In fact, the proper understanding of the word being still is to cease striving. It is to stop fighting. It is to learn to lay down whatever impulse we have to act and to in faith wait on the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. We are almost out of time. 
This is Pastor Nick Stavropoulos. If you would like to hear and or watch the whole message, please go to our website, rosewoodchurch.ca. Our biggest concern is that you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus rose from the grave and is now in heaven, preparing a place for all of us who believe. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. If you would like to contact us at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, our phone number is 416-298-9932. Our email is office at rosewoodchurch.ca. This ministry is supported financially by people like you. If you would like to make a donation, you can send your gift by e-transfer to offerings at rosewoodchurch.ca. That's O-F-F-E-R-I-N-G-S at rosewoodchurch.ca. Or you can mail your check to Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, 657 Milner Avenue, Scarborough, Ontario, Thank you for giving to support this preaching and teaching ministry. I'm Pastor Nick, wishing you God's blessings throughout this week. Amen.